I think we can do that. We sing that refrain. Your love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love. Long before there was uh, Instagram and Snapchat and all that stuff, there was love letters. And uh, the, 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 if, if you get to be maybe young, a little younger than me, if you're in your mid-40s, you might not remember love letters, but boy, I'll tell you, for those of us who got love letters, wow. My wife and I were separated uh, for, but when we were engaged that last year, I was in graduate school at St. Louis, and she was working at a little construction firm in Matamidi, Minnesota, and so we exchanged love letters. And... Um, there was nothing like going to school early in the morning, 7.30, 8.30, 9.30 chapel, after chapel, not quite running, but moving so quickly uh, to the mailbox, which is in the basement of, a, of an old building at the Concordia Seminary. And there's about five of my buddies and I, and we'd go down there as fast as we could after chapel because maybe perchance we had a love note down there, a love letter. And boy, if, if, if you saw the, the envelope sitting across the little window in the mailbox, you knew what it was. And I would get a little letter, and, and my wife had uh, the, the, the little cute handwriting, and I could read it and make it out. She had little cute gestures on it, and, and you didn't just read it once and then throw it away. You'd read it and put it in your Bible or put it in your book and you'd bring it out in class and read it. And, 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 and when I would read that to myself, I would hear my wife's voice reading that as if she was sitting on my ear, on my shoulder saying, Tim, you're not alone. Tim, I love you. Tim, you can do this. And I got a stack of love letters sitting somewhere in a box in our garage. It's like this thick. And Barb's got a stack of love letters sitting in the garage that's about this thick. <laughs> And if you ever did that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's nothing like being loved. And the transformational power of love is one of those things that you know in your heart, you, you don't really pass a test, right? You don't, you don't go down a sheet of paper and say, well, check, 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 I guess I'm loved. Rather, you just kind of hold it in your soul and in your heart and you say, you know what, I'm loved. In John chapter nine, in John chapter fifteen, verse nine, Jesus is using agricultural language. He's saying, uh, "You are the vine, and I am the branch. Uh, I am the vine, and you are the branches. You abide in me, and I in you. You will bear much fruit. Apart with me, you can do nothing." And then Jesus goes into this marvelous thing, beginning at verse nine, and he starts it with this phrase: "As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you." Wow. Jesus knew where he was going. He knew that the next days were going to be super tough for those disciples. That, that it wasn't going to be sunshine and happiness. That, that there was going to be a lot of acrimony. There's going to be a lot of pain. There's going to be a trial. There's going to be an execution. There's going to be all this stuff. So instead of gathering together like a, a football coach and having a huddle and saying, you got to suck it up and you got to get tough and you got to overcome and you got to do this. Jesus instead gathers them in a room and he comes up to them and he says, 
as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now don't ask me why the power of love makes a person so strong, but it does. And if the Son loves the disciples and the Father loves the Son, then the Father loves the disciples, right? If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Sometimes those disciples are really lovable, you know? There's times they're sitting and hanging out and they're messing around and joking like, like guys do. And, and, and you need kind of Jesus there walking along doing their thing. And, 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 and we have moments like that where we're saying, I'm lovable. I'm the best person to love in the whole world. Just ask me, I'm great. I'm funny, I'm cute, I'm smart, I'm squishy, I'm cuddly, I like to eat, I like, you know. I, there's those days where everything you touch is just killing it. And you're like, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it and God must love me because I'm going. And, and those days are great. But boy, there are those days where I feel unlovable. Where everything I touch that I want to fix kind of goes through my fingertips where everything and every time I open my mouth to talk, I say something inappropriate or something stupid. Where every time I go to connect and engage, I estrange somebody from myself. Or every time it's time to step up and make a good decision and make a foolish decision. There's just those times where in my soul I feel unlovable. And maybe you can identify with that with me. There's just times where I look in the mirror and I think, I don't know how that little cute lady across the vanity loves me or God loves me or how I could even love myself. I come back to these words. Jesus looking at those unlovable disciples, guys who are going to publicly renounce him, guys who are going to doubt, guys who are all going to run away. And he looks them in the eyes in a very intimate setting. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And when it gets hard, you guys, remain in my love. And from there, Jesus didn't write a love letter of, uh, on, on papyrus or anything. He didn't have a pencil or a word processor or a printer. Or a... But he wrote a love letter in his life on the cross. And for those doubting, skeptical disciples, he suffered and died. For their lovable moments, he suffered and died. For their unlovable moments, he suffered and died. And in the place of alienation, he brought community. And in the place of brokenness, he brought healing. And in the place of sin, he brought forgiveness. And when there was doubt, he brought faith. Where there was estrangement from God, he brought closeness. And this marvelous sense of love. So his disciples could go back to that cross and be energized in that in such a way that Lutherans would be sitting at 10 o'clock Five million miles away from Jerusalem, confessing the name of Jesus, baptizing three boys, and gathered together in Christian love. You want to talk about the power of love? You are experiencing it right now. Your sins forgiven. Your unlovable moments drawn close to God through faith in Jesus Christ. His love never fails, never gives up never runs out on you. His love never fails. As we move through that text a little bit farther, he's got those marvelous words about bearing fruit. 
And in my backyard, I've been working on kind of a fruit experiment. I figured if you're going to be a senior pastor at St. John's, a church that was largely built on the citrus industry, if you can't grow a Valencia orange, Pastor Tim, you're a disaster. You should turn in your stole and all your shit just go. Any pastor of St. John's should at some point be able to bear good fruit on the trees in his backyard. And at first I planted those trees and I overwatered them and they were because they were so healthy from where I got them, they bore great fruit and I had Valencia oranges, I had satsumas and I had limes and it was great. And then I overwatered them and then the insects got to them. And my satsuma tree that at one point had given me 40 oranges gave me two and last year it gave me zero. And my Valencia tree died. (laughs) But I learned. I learned how to water them. I pulled them out of that bad soil and I put them in robust soil I bought from a guy at 8 o'clock at Home Depot. He says, come down, I'll get the soil, I'll get you fixed up. Started feeding and watering and taking care of those trees. And, and people would come and they'd say, I want to water your trees, I want to cut them. And I said, don't touch them, leave them alone. I've got it all figured out, me and YouTube, I got it going. And good. So this year, After a year of fertilizing and making them grow, my satsuma tree gave me 12 pieces of fruit, all of which my daughter ate and just loved, those little sweet satsuma oranges. My tangelo tree, which I love, produced about another 20 pieces of fruit. And I gave those to my friend, Dr. Dudley, the first two off that tree, because Dr. Dudley brings our Tuesday morning Bible studies, these marvelous, robust tangelos instead of donuts. And everybody loves them. They'd rather eat a tangelo off his tree than a donut from Krispy Kreme. It just works. And my lime tree went from two limes to about 40, which means last year I could only have two margaritas, and this year you can do the math. Our lives are like that. One of the joys of growing older and living life in community is understanding what that fruit looks like. I've known the Orman family, Brandon and his brothers, for a lot of years. And uh, Ryan's the same age as Justin and Jake's the same age as Sarah. And, you know, we grew up together. When I talk about fumbling, we've been hanging out with the Ormans for a lot, a lot of years. You see the growth and the change because of friendship. You've been together for so long. You see the fruit born in lives and in family. That's a powerful thing. In a congregation that's been around for 140 years, the fruit that we bear in the community is something that you look at and and you shake a hand and you say, I'm Pastor Tim Klinger. I'm senior pastor at St. John's. And the guy says, I know you are because everyone knows St. John's. And you realize that in our community, we've been bearing fruit for generations, maybe six or seven generations, remaining in the love of Christ and bearing fruit in our lives. Each one of us in our families probably has that person who needs that extra fertilizer, who needs that extra care, who needs that extra water, and they're unlovable. And no matter what you do and how you try to get your arms around them, you just can't. So what do you do? You can't fix them. You just love them. You love them where they're at, for who they are as a child of God. Broken and lost and hurting. You love them. And that bears the fruit of hope and love 
and peace and kindness in your heart and in your relationship with them. The love never runs out. It never fails. It never gives up. If, if you're familiar with the white chair interviews, they're, they're, they're kind of funky. And the 8 o'clock church is like, hey, that was kind of jumpy. And, but, but here's a life I want to show you on, on a video of a person who runs a, a series of restaurants that you know. And that if you haven't been there, you're crazy. Um, but she went through a really difficult time. Death of a father. Felt like she wasn't loved. Uh, and then the Lord went to work in her life through people and made a huge difference. Please, roll the video. All right, so we heard you have a little business. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Um, well, I'm currently the president at In-N-Out Burger, which was a little mom-and-pop burger stand that started in 1948 and um, grew to be pretty big. <laughs> it's been a part of my life since I was born, I guess, being close with different people that work there. And, you know, it really got introduced into my life when my dad died. After my dad died, there was no way I was gonna be alone. He's gone, so I had even greater reason to fill the void. I got married when I was 18. I'd graduated a couple months before that. You know, it, it wasn't right. I knew that that small, still voice had told me, don't do this, and I did it. And I, I paid the price with a divorce. You can see where Someone that just wants that love and appreciation was getting further and further away from, from what she wanted. I just continued to put up with it. No way could I get divorced again. I mean, how old am I? And I've been divorced a handful of times, really. It was terrible, and it really, it really pushed me. God took me to a place that I'd never been before. And he showed me that in that time where I felt more alone than ever, more of a piece of trash than ever, more of a failure, that he was there and he was ready to love me and fill that void. And he'd been there all along wanting that, but he just needed me to let go of that tangible person. It was my dad first, then it was the next guy. The next guy, I was never willing to just let go to see that God had something better. I was forced to at this time because this was something I couldn't change. This was someone that was throwing me to the curb. I was divorced again and uh, knew it was time to take time away. That time alone was some of my greatest memories with God. It was an alone that was okay because I wasn't completely alone. I had the Jesus that 
walked on water, healed the sick. I had that Jesus filling that void, touching my heart, pouring into who I'm called to be and who he sees me as rather than who I believed I was because of the things I'd done. I really value the love and good times I had with my dad, but even that can't compare completely to the love that God has for me. It's like, you know, you, you're a little kid riding your bike for the first time, your dad's proud and he's cheering you on, and it's like he helped me learn how to ride that bike, and, and God got me back up after all of these failures, and he can lift me up and see me go forward, and I know that he can be glorified. And riding a bike and a proud dad versus creator of the universe being able to use you is like... <laughs> the transforming power of love. She said she was kicked to the curb and had nothing else, and in that broken place, there's the love of the father for a broken daughter, who he then molds and shapes to make a huge difference in the lives of thousands of people. Your love never fails, it never runs out, it never gives up on me. Jesus says, remain in my love and you will bear much fruit. Let's bring up the slide with the chorus of that song again. And let's close with a little bit of singing. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love. We are gathered together today in the name of Jesus, who loved the world so much that he poured out his life for the world and for all the people and, and for all of us who by faith receive the blessings of forgiveness and new life in heaven. Help us in those unlovable moments to come back to this moment. Help us in those moments where we feel like we're totally poured out to, to this moment where you pour in. Help us in those broken moments to come back to this moment where you bring healing. Help us in those lost moments to come back to this place where we are found and loved. Bless those struggling today with the issue of love whether they're in the broken place that Lindsay is or just you know, feel like they're on a deserted island. Grant them the, 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 the closeness to you in their heart that they would know and be inspired and transformed by the Father's love. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.